Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Hey folks, CJ Grimm here from Poking Dead Things. It's a hard job doing what we do, and it can get kind of gross. We know that you work hard too, so I'm here to tell you that at the end of a hard day, nothing beats a hot bath and a cold beer. So treat yourself right and head to Twisted Willow Soap Company and indulge in a bath bomb with your favorite six-pack. Remember, the only girly thing about a bath bomb are the sounds you're going to make in excitement. Twisted Willow Soap Company. Body. Mind. Soul. Souls and memories can do strange things during trance. Welcome to Trance Work, the 85th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century author Bram Stoker. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meat. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. You're and breaking our horrors. I know. I know. We were totally doing Bram Stoker here. Come right. on. No. really embracing the, the vampire aesthetic. Yeah, I decided not to do that. I decided not to go with the crowd. I'm social distancing. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, god. No, I was going to say, though, I love that from Bram Stoker. Yeah. Start with our housekeeping. Nope, no, no, no new, new patrons. patrons. Okay, nope. excellent. We yep. don't have to read any names. Nope, I don't have to screw up anybody's names. Yep. Yep. That's good. That's so, good. It's always um, good. <laughs> and then I don't think we have any other, we don't have any events coming up. No, but we do have a special guest next week that oh, that's we should true. tell people about. Well, all right. So the next several episodes... We're going to have guests, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah. next week, we're going to be talking with Lilith Dorsey. Yep. About her upcoming book. Right. The week after that, we're going to be talking to... Weon Raven. Right. About food and magic. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to have a normal episode. And then we're going to have another <laughs> interview, another guest on the, the podcast. And that's going to be Misha Magdalene. Yay! Yay! And I yeah, didn't Misha. realize I had scheduled these all so close together until after the fact. <laughs> and so in the future, we will do these tra- probably more like more once, once a month at most. <laughs> But the next several episodes are going to be guest heavy. Right. <laughs> but that's okay. It's kind of a new thing for uh-huh. us. Yeah. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's all the housekeeping. Sure. We don't have any events so. coming up. No, unless you count online events in, right. uh, where Car and I are actually, we did a online Ostara, Ostara with Jason Makey and friends. Yep. The other day, which you can find the link for that. We shared that in the group and on the page. April 7th, we're going to be participating in an online full moon ritual. Yes. Yep. So. And in the Discord, they're saying uh, we are housekept and team housekept. So I won that fight. Thank you very much, Discord, for supporting me. Oh, they always support we, you. Oh, they, they favor you. It's because they know I have the band hammer. That's true. That's true. Uh, okay. So we are now housekept and can move on. Oh, God. All right, so we're going to be talking about trance today. Yes, we are. Gwen and I both have some experience working with trance, mm-hmm. and Carr does not. Nope, and per, probably per, never will. Yes, per usual, Carr does not do this, but for d- different reasons. Different reasons. Yeah. It's not because I'm new to it. Right. It's because I have a huge drug background mm-hmm. in my life, and I don't want to be where I'm not in control of myself ever again. And so because of that, I am not interested in trance. 
that's okay. Yep, so, that's, that's valid. That's a valid think, perspective. Yeah. Exactly. I think people need to know that it is perfectly fine mm-hmm. if you never want to engage in trans work in any part of your path. Right. That's absolutely fine. It's not like it's a thing it's not you a requirement. have to do. It's right. not a prereq. Nope. Right, yep. Exactly. So, and by the way, Mirror Medith says Transylvania. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that fun, but... But it worked. God, really that, well. worked. <laughs> that was good. That Thank was you, Mermidith, for inventing puns that didn't occur to me. That's right. That's right. So I'd like to start by talking about my first experience with trans, which I've talked a little bit about in the past, I believe, maybe a couple years ago, and that was attending a czar. And a czar is actually Ethiopian, we believe, in origin, possibly be Persian. But the word czar means demon or spirit that is that inhabits a human being. So a possessing spirit. Yeah, it's a possessing spirit. And the czar ritual is about basically exercising that demon. Which And the interesting thing is it's uh, become very popular or became very popular in the 19th, 20th centuries in Egypt, in urban areas of Egypt and other... Islamic cities, and it is almost exclusively a women's event. And so women will get together, and it's a form of ecstatic dance, Mm -hmm. and they use this to enter, they use this czar ritual to enter into a trance state Mm -hmm. to exercise their czar or their spirit that they feel is possessing them. Anti-possession, I guess. Yeah. So you enter a trance to get rid of, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times trance is letting something in, correct? Although... There are some who say that it could be either a demonic spirit, depending on your background, or it could be a positive spirit that is meant to assist you. So it could be that some women are trying to release these demons. I would have to do further study, but it's possible. Some may be not unlike in Vudan, where they are taking on the spirit of, like, one of the, one of their deities. Ridden by the Lua. Ridden by the Lua. Right. It could be something similar to that. It's a very interesting experience. Do the men just live with their demons? Maybe, maybe, or, or, they just or is there, or is there a equivalent men's ritual to which you just well, were not exposed? I, that is very possible. There could be an equivalent men's ritual. Interestingly, it is the men who usually are there playing the instruments, the drum and things like that, and it's the women who are dancing and going into these ecstatic trance. So they're there sort of facilitating. Yes, the men are there facilitating. And while the event that I went to lasted maybe a couple of hours. It can last up to a week for okay. for the women who are participating wow. in this event. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think it's maybe productive at this point early in the episode to define what a trance is. Oh, that's true. There are like a lot of sort of, I don't know, levels or stages of mm-hmm. trance. Um, but generally speaking, a trance is an altered state of consciousness mm-hmm. in which you are awake, but to varying degrees, not fully aware. Mm-hmm. You may be more suggestible. Yeah. It's often described as a state of passive attention, mm-hmm. depending on the type of trance and induction you use. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes used to facilitate things like astral travel or lucid dreaming. It can be induced in a number of ways, including ecstatic rituals, mindful meditation. There are passive and active types of induction, as well as mental and physical types of induction. Mm -hmm. And induction is just a term to describe the process of entering a trance state. Right. You can can be either Mm self-induced or you can be induced by another person, Mm -hmm. um, usually a trained practitioner. Mm -hmm. There's also a relationship between trance states 
and what's called flow. That's a psychological term that you see used in. I first encountered it in game development, but you also see it described in sports and any kind of activity where you can get, quote, in the zone. Yeah, hyper-focus. Hyper-focus. That's called flow, and it's a state in which you are so attuned to the rhythm of the action you're performing that you lose awareness of external stimuli. Mm -hmm. So that would be like when I played foosball in college, and I would say to myself, be the ball. Yeah, basically. And, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's not unlike I remember in uh high school I was friends with a lot of guys and and girls on the team. track team and on the long distance running mm-hmm. team. And they would get into this flow, into this that you're talking about, into yep. this zone. And I because I had this friend, every time he got to the end of the race he was physically ill. Yeah. But when he was running, he was just all he knew was the road and his feet hitting the road and moving, you know, and just going to the end and he got into this hypnotic state if you will this trance state which kept his body going until he got to the end of the race and got sick at which point at which point point his body was like what the fuck did you just exactly pass out throw up and then be like why am i doing this to myself but yet he was a really skilled runner but Mm -hmm. it was that was how he did it yep rabbit asked where does the lsd come in (laughs) <laughs> and that is another way, and that's the reason right. why I that's, don't that's do that. That's another and possible Bill, induction method, right? right? Yeah, Bill is, was talking about mushrooms. It's yep. hallucinogens yeah. Yeah. or other mood-altering substances. Yeah. And that's so not I did a okay lot of acid and, and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. early in my life. And yes, in your troubled youth. In my troubled youth. <laughs> and yep. so to stay away from that state now is right. why I don't do trance. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's it's, to me... And not that I've even tried trance, right? you know, other than the music, but, but in this kind of trance, I've never, you know, tried that. And, but it seems like it's the same kind of experience Mm -hmm. and it's just would be super uncomfortable for me to be back into that. I don't want to see like fire engines flying across the sky and shit anymore. That's That's just too much. Yeah. That's fair enough. And there are other, there are different herbal substances that people can use and things like that. There's flying ointment, things that can induce a trance or get you into a state where you can then self-induce and and alter consciousness. But I do think it's fair to state that that's not okay, as Cara is saying, for Mm -hmm. everyone and that there are other options to do this in ecstatic dance or other types of repetitious, like drumming or things like that. A lot of are ways to do that. You'll find a lot of inductions involve repetition, clapping or drumming, mantras, the repetition of mantras, key phrases, chants, chanting. Yeah. One that I find myself doing, even if I'm not doing it intentionally when Mm -hmm. I'm trying to to induce is that I'll rock back and forth in a very regular pattern. And that helps just sort of send me deeper into trance. Mm -hmm. Some people do find us. So part of the objective of induction Mm -hmm. is to sort of bypass your rational mind. Right. So that you can enter the subliminal space of trance. Right. Where you do much less rational processing and much more receiving. That's, I think, why people find things like ecstatic dance mm-hmm. or, or other ecstatic types of rituals productive because they're physically exhausting. Exactly. Spinning. And, yep, spinning. That's what yep. Mermaid was yep. just mentioning spinning and that's where the whirling dervishes come in. It's amazing to watch them. I've watched whirling dervishes in their meditative state and they just, mm-hmm. they're the spinners. Yes. Yeah. And you can tell because they just... And that's, again, it's flow. It's flow. It's entering and a they condition are, where 
you're so focused on the thing you're doing that all external stimuli becomes irrelevant. Exactly. exactly. Including sometimes, you know, the cues from your body. Mm-hmm. And, and I have found that ecstatic dance is one of the things that works for me. Oh, interesting. Mermadith said spinning as in fiber art. Yes, mm. also true. And that actually has a relationship, we think, to Sidr mm-hmm. in Norse mythology because the very few references and pieces of art that we believe refer to Sidr represent the seath worker with spindles or other tools for spinning, spinning fibers. Wheels. Right. And that, if we remember, uh, Frigga is mm-hmm. one who uses a spindle, a, sp- a distaff, a yeah. distaff, and she receives visions. Mm-hmm. So Saki asked, would that mean that anything that gets your adrenaline going can cause a trance? I think it depends on if you are open to it's that It's more stage. endorphins than adrenaline, So, be? a lot of what trance is actually has more to do with your brainwave state than with your hormones. Okay. Adrenaline, depending on how you're accessing that adrenaline, uh, and those endorphins for that matter, might help you bypass the rational mind in one way or another, but it might also hyper-focus you... For, you know, fight or flight. Right. So like me watching a scary movie. Exactly, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's not what you're really you going do, those for. In, those, that adrenaline wouldn't be helping you no, at all. No, no. And I don't, I don't, like, to, yeah. don't like to do that either, so. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> the brainwave situation, your brain oscillates at different frequencies, essentially. Mm-hmm. And when it's oscillating at higher frequencies, you have higher states of activity. Those brainwave states are in order of highest level of activity to lowest level of activity. They are gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. Mm -hmm. Gamma states are hyper-focused, extremely aware, the ability to process multiple sets of stimuli simultaneously. We don't see that very often in daily life, but there are some Buddhist meditation practitioners who can induce gamma states Mm -hmm. um, intentionally. Beta is what where most people's brains are most of the time. It's where all of our brains probably are right now because that's alertness, mm-hmm. um, conversation, active problem solving, anything like that. Anything that requires the active use of cognition is probably a beta state. Mm-hmm. Alpha is near sleep, so it's hypnagogia, but it's not actual sleep. Mm-hmm. And you sometimes see people slipping into alpha states when they're in highly creative activities. Mm-hmm. I can, yeah, I definitely can see that. I've, I've had some jobs where I've found myself drifting into almost a trance-like state Mm -hmm. because I'm doing a, you know, a repetitive type of activity in that job. So I think that is one way I, you know, that people can also find meditation is through that kind of thing, wouldn't you say? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Then below alpha, we have theta. Mm -hmm. That's where most dreaming takes place. Right. Um, Some dreaming actually takes place in alpha state, and some takes place in theta state. Theta dreams are more abstract and detached from normal reality, they think, than alpha state dreams. Mm -hmm. And then delta is deep dreamless sleep which is the state at which your brain and your body actually start healing itself. Right, right. So for useful trance, what you're usually aiming for is to get out of a beta state where you are normally Mm -hmm. and into either an alpha state, which is sort of a low to moderate trance, Mm -hmm. or a theta state, which is a moderate to high trance. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think think people who are experiencing being ridden, if you will, by the loi, Mm -hmm. are probably in that high trance state because they report 
not being consciously aware. Um, Is that correct? So if you're not, if you have no conscious awareness of what happens to you or what you do during a trance state, Mm -hmm. you are either, and I don't know if they've done, if if they've actually done brainwave studies on on people in possessory states, Mm -hmm. Um, but my guess would be you're either in theta Mm -hmm. or you're actually in delta. Gotcha. Gotcha. Which is the state at which you are not consciously aware. Now, I have experienced the the state of a trance where I am aware and conscious, but another a deity or another spirit is controlling my movements or my speech. Okay. I've experienced that. But you remained aware. But I remained aware of the process and aware, although I couldn't tell you what I had said to anyone, that type of thing. But you were aware enough that you could have pulled out of it. Yes, exactly. I was aware enough that I could have pulled out. And that's, that's the, that's pretty much where I have experienced trance, whether I was aspecting a deity or in the, uh, in the czar that I was talking about. It was a, a state of awareness, or even last year at uh, MPF right. during that ritual led by uh, Witch Dr. Utu and uh, Priestess Miriam. I was aware and could pull myself out at any time, but I was not in control of my actions. Right. So I think this is an important point to bring up. A lot of people are scared of trance mm-hmm. and, of, and of approaching trance work because they feel like they'll lose the ability to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, even when you're not consciously aware of your state mm-hmm. during a trance, you should still be able to remove yourself mm-hmm. from the trance. Mm-hmm. If that's something you're worried about, you can set timers and things or have another person who will come check on you after a set period of time mm-hmm. to pull you out of trance if you think that's a concern. And I've never gone into a deep trance. Mm-hmm. I've never gone into a trance where I was 100% not aware. Right. Uh, I mostly float sort of probably in an alpha wave probably. range in a, in a moderate trance state. And I would say that's probably where I've been. Yeah. Because I find that's most productive because mm-hmm. I can still direct proceedings to a certain extent, right? Like I'm still mm-hmm. actively... Making choices and participating exactly. in the experience. Exactly. And because I'm a solitary practitioner, possessory work isn't valuable for me mm-hmm. because the point of, or at least possessory work where I would be completely mm-hmm. unaware of what happened during the possession. Because when a practitioner is possessed, that's for the benefit of other people. Exactly. Not for the person who's being possessed. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be productive for me as a person who's solitary and not interacting with other practitioners to experience that kind of possession. Yeah. So I've never pursued that. So because I look at things from the audio world, world, uh-huh. right? I was just looking at the, the Hertz that these operate at. Mm-hmm. So in high gamma, uh-huh. you should be able to listen to what the brain is doing. Ooh. Because it's at a frequency range. That is within that is human with is within human hearing range. Mm. So as you go down into beta, alpha, theta, delta, and then ultra infer, right, infra, which, which nobody knows anything about. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's way too low for us to even mm-hmm. to hear with our normal ears because right. we just don't hear that low. But it's interesting that if you're in a high gamma state, so in that 80 hertz to 100 hertz right. range, that's actually, you should be able to actually listen to that. So, so you that's should be able to we, take those... 
gamma brainwave records of, of when they right. like when somebody's in that and mm-hmm. actually start translate to translate to that out to to audio, yeah. Which I and, assume would just sound like oscillations. Yes, but you can so uh, for instance, okay. uh when I first started to teach you how to edit. Right. I could see in the waveform right. where certain things certain were happening. Things were happening. Right. And that's because I've spent so much time doing it that I just know that that's what it looks like and I know mm-hmm. I can delete that section because it's something we didn't want. Right. A cough, for instance, or right. an um mm-hmm. or anything. An of isolated things. um anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just interesting, I think, because I could then sit down and look at those waveforms mm-hmm. and go and start to see patterns mm-hmm. in those. And if we could figure out what was going on with the person at that time, then somebody who was in a complete trance state, right. but in the gamma range, right. I should be able to look at those waveforms and kind of have an idea of what's going on. If you had like a record of... Correct. Mm-hmm. Of somebody who could tell you... You would say like, right, right so, now I'm thinking about blah. Exactly. And that's yeah. what this looks like in brainwave. Correct. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Somebody should do science on yeah, that. Yeah, someone should. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like like they're going to need a Buddhist monk. Right. They're going to need an audio engineer, and they're going to need a brainwave scientist to all collaborate. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And actually, I would think even down to probably theta, you can still see you can still those, see the waveforms. Wa- those yeah. waveforms. <laughs> Bill said, now we can just wing it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're equipped to do hardcore science here. No, um, probably not. I don't know how to... Record somebody's brain waves for one yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't. So. I don't have any of the equipment for that. Right. <laughs> I mean, they make equipment for that, but I don't have any. I don't yeah, have it's expensive. Yeah, yeah no. I would think so. Join our Tiger Allure driver with the music of Aqua Girl. Aqua Girl is an indie pop musician with a very chill, listenable synth tone, married to lyrics that are by turns hopeful and honest. All of Aqua Girl's tracks have their charms, but Ode suggests, "I think I'm a part of you," an encouraging piece about reconnecting with parts of yourself. You can find Aqua Girl at aqua-girl.bandcamp.com. Could create a piece of music that could be used for trance work, like just the music part. Oh yeah. Okay, so that somebody could listen to and yeah, definitely take themselves um, into a trance state. And that's and that's maybe a good time to talk about inductions. Mm-hmm. You do trance work pretty regularly. What are your induction methods? How do you enter a trance? Well, let's see. Obviously. When I did the czar, it was through music mm-hmm. and drumming, and I have used that in other instances as well. I'll use some kind of repetitive sound mm-hmm. or something like that. But honestly, because a lot of the trance work I've been doing in the last six months has uh, involved aspecting a deity, mm-hmm. what I have started with is meditation and getting and bringing myself into a meditative state of where I am very relaxed, very in a receptive frame of mind. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I would call a very, very light trance state, mm-hmm. usually. Meditation yeah. can get you to a very light trance yeah. state. And then through that meditative state, allowing myself to be open to that deity. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, this uh, when I was participating in a ritual 
in December. I was going to be aspecting the Kalyach. Okay. And I had never, I didn't even know who the Kalyach was. So I did like a, a week of research learning about her, right. who she was in the Celtic mythology, things like that. And then I went to Brigid and said, hey, can you set up an, an, intro? an intro here? And then I went into a light trance through meditation and I invoked the Kalyak and invited her to come and speak with me. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those experiences where she immediately, I could feel her immediately coming into me. And I just started speaking words in what I later learned was a, a Scottish accent, but I didn't know what that was, you know, what I was doing at the time necessarily. So I just pulled out my phone because I was still aware and started recording mm-hmm. aware. I was in a light trance state, but the more I allowed her to speak, the deeper it became. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that has been my experience with, with other trance states as well. So most of your trance experience has been possessory. Yes, most of my, with the exception of the czar, because that was more of like what you would experience the runner experience, Mm -hmm. you know, just that repetitive flow until you're just, that's, you're just in that zone. And I would say the similar thing happened to me when I was dancing at that ritual that Utu Witch Doctor and Priestess Miriam led. It was the rhythm, the dancing, and eventually I got into that flow, and I was no longer dancing. There was a spirit dancing through me, but it was still a very light as far as, you know, I could pull myself out. Right. But I would say when working with a deity in a possessory kind of trance, the more I release myself, the more I allow that deity to speak, the deeper I go and the more that spirit comes to the, comes front. To the front. Okay, so That's what I've Megara17 asked, can you trance if you have ADD and don't seem to have hyper-focusing as part of it? I, so I don't have ADD, so this is difficult for me to answer. I would say yes, probably. It's just, you're just going to have to find hacks, basically. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the induction methods you'll... And all trance is based on induction. Mm-hmm. A lot of the induction methods you'll encounter will be based around focusing on a single thing for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, as I understand it, difficult if you have ADD or ADHD. There are some induction methods that are focused around breaking patterns, which might be more productive for you. Those are often, you often see those done with another person, so another person induces you. The standard one that you see a lot of pop hypnotists using is the broken handshake. So, because a handshake is an ingrained social repetitive action Mm -hmm. that, uh, at least in the Western world, we are trained to undertake in a specific way and that we expect at a, at a certain level of acquaintance. The hypnotist offers a handshake to the person who's going to be induced and then halfway through breaks the handshake unexpectedly with no explanation. And because this breaks your brain pattern of now it is handshake time, you enter, you are induced into a very light, like low level trance as your brain sort of cycles around this broken pattern because it can't find a resolution. Interesting. Mm. 
So that won't work anytime soon. No, not during social distancing, no. Uh, But Um, Mermaidith did have a couple of ideas. mm -hmm. Uh, Mermaidith also has uh, ADHD and said that things like hand washing, dancing, physical movement, something for your brain to focus on, Mm -hmm. it would help with that. I would be careful with something like hand washing because you can actually, over long periods of time, actually hurt your hands by washing them. Drumming. Drumming might be good. Right. Um, or doing a shaker, kind, just some kind of a repetitive motion. The, the rocking back and forth that I do, I right. think, is, is you so A lot of the things that are stims yeah. for people who are on the autism spectrum, or and I believe um, people with ADD and ADHD also do some stimming. At least some of them do. So stims can be very useful for inducing mm-hmm. uh, light trance state. I would suggest if you have a hard time focusing on something, and if things like repetitive tasks aren't helping you... Enter a trance state. If that's too much focus for you, try repetition breaking, essentially. So mm-hmm. start a repetitive pattern, especially something that's already ingrained in your head as something you do regularly and will always do, and then intentionally break that pattern. Gotcha. Isn't there something, um, I know for meditation, I'm trying to remember the the word, is it by a beat that you can put that is... Oh, binaural. Binaural, thank you. Binaural. Yeah. So, I don't, that's so, what I was saying. I don't know what the word so is. binaural audio is... And you often see this described as binaural beats. I hesitate to call it music. (laughs) It's sounds made at specific frequencies Mm -hmm. that play in your right and left ears um, and in alternating patterns. Mm -hmm. I know that there's some meditative music that Mm -hmm. includes that. I actually have some for when I was doing guided meditation. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would would use those in those... uh, Yeah, you'll find them in a lot of guided meditations. To help bring into a Um, relaxed meditative You could literally just on YouTube type into the search bar binaural trance beats yeah. And mm-hmm. that would get you thousands of results. Yeah. So that, but what of, I'm saying, raw binaural beats. Right. And what I'm saying is that is an option. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. Depending on your your tolerance for that sort of thing, because some people actually do find them like unpleasant to listen to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to know what's going to work for you until you find what works for you. Exactly. So you exactly. sort of just have to like go through a sequence of induction yeah. techniques until you find one that works. So I, a, a very common induction technique that you'll also see a lot in guided meditations in particular mm-hmm. is progressive relaxation. Yes. Which is... Which I guess is what I do when I'm... Yeah. I'm doing a progressive relaxation kind of and meditation. And sometimes stage. you'll see it combined with a more traditional, quote, falling induction Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or a staircase induction. So progressive relaxation is where you usually lie down and your attention is brought one at a time Mm -hmm. to the different parts of your body and you are told to intentionally relax those parts of your body. Mm -hmm. It usually starts at your head and works its way all the way down to your feet. And by the end of a full progressive relaxation, most people describe feeling sort of heavy Mm -hmm. as if it would be difficult to move. Now, if you actually try to move, you'll find that it's not any more difficult than usual. But if you are receptive to that trance condition, you can then deepen it because that heaviness in your body is part of becoming uh, the the earliest stage of becoming unaware of your body, Mm -hmm. which is a a part of trance induction. Mm -hmm. So after progressive relaxation, you can follow that with a staircase or fall induction, which is where either you will visualize or imagine the process of falling into, like, through water, Mm -hmm. or 
walking down a staircase Mm -hmm. and it will be reinforced every time you take a step or move a certain amount deeper into the water Mm -hmm. that you are getting more tired or you are feeling more relaxed Mm -hmm. or more open or less aware or something. And as your mind progresses downward in this imagination or in this visualization, you automatically attach those different levels of consciousness to those different stages of the falling or the staircase. And then when you want to come out of it, you walk back up the staircase to higher and higher levels of awareness, Mm -hmm. or you swim up to the surface. Mm -hmm. There was a question here. What is the difference between meditation and trance? It's not so much a difference. Or hypnosis. Or hypnosis, yeah. So it's not so much a difference between the quality as it is a difference in the degree. Yeah, I would agree. So like meditation is usually a very, very light trance. Yeah, and you can do it through any number of means. Right. And hypnosis, especially the sort of stage hypnosis you see practiced, Mm -hmm. is usually a very, very deep trance. Right. In fact, an ideal, for a stage hypnotist, the ideal trance is one in which the entranced person is not consciously aware of what's happening. Right. And I would say that for like past life regression, which I experienced Mm -hmm. not that long ago, that's actually a lighter uh, trance state that that is guided. At least that's what I experienced. It was kind of like a guided light trance state. Some people experiencing past life regression find that they don't remember any of those details Mm -hmm. and that they have to be recounted to them. So that that very much varies. Um, And different people have different degrees of susceptibility, as it were, to trance. And science has found that a lot of that has to do with your willingness to enter a trance state. So Mm -hmm. if you're resistant to the idea of entering a trance, you are less likely to enter a trance Mm -hmm. than someone who's willing to enter a trance. And that could be why I've never had a full trance state, Mm -hmm. um, because I think there's... Probably some part of me that always wants to remain to retain some awareness. to retain some awareness. Not that long ago, when I was in California, I actually participated in a ritual where I did have a very small amount of mushrooms potion that was passed around. You didn't tell us this. No, I didn't tell you this. I'm telling you this now. And but for me, because of the way they it was prepared, mm-hmm. it did more of a relaxation and kind of a. You, I guess you could say we felt a little bit high, but not to the point of like so sort of like inebriation. Yeah, it was more like inebriation. It was more like having a good couple of glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so that was an interesting experience. But I did notice it took me a lot longer to ground mm-hmm. after that experience because I had a very uh, a deeper trance experience in that situation with a say, number of different deities. I would say it's entirely possible that another reason you had a hard time grounding is that you still had a system altering That's substance true. in your system. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Okay. So I have something for this. Okay. Do you all know what solfeggio frequencies are? I do not. Okay. So these were actually brought about by Guido de Arzezo in like the late 900s, early 1000s. And it's what we know today as do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. But there's actually frequencies that go along with those. I didn't know that. And those frequencies were used as healing frequencies hmm. and also 
trance frequencies because that's how they would get people into this healing. Interesting. So here are the frequencies in case anybody wants to play around with them. Hmm. 396 hertz is for liberating guilt and fear. 417 hertz is undoing situations and facilitating change. 528 hertz is transformation and miracles, including DNA repair. Hmm. 639 is for connecting and relationships. 741 is for expressions and solutions. And 852 is for returning to spiritual order. So that's all in hertz. So it's all very low. You can hear all of it. It's all in the hearing range. Right. But it's that sort of really low, like, maybe vibrates your eyeballs. (laughs) Well, human speaking range. um, So my voice is probably between 800 and 900 hertz. Mm -hmm. Um, Your all's is going to be in the 1.2 to 1.5. They're higher in tone. Mm -hmm. That's in the human speech range. Mm -hmm. So that would be the returning to spiritual order. Yeah, Selkie points out that a cat's purr actually helps heal. It does. It actually Mm -hmm. promotes bone growth. And it also brings down blood pressure. Yeah. They've done studies on that. Yeah. This is why you sometimes see cats in hospital wards. (laughs) Unless your car and then his uh, blood pressure pressure rises. (laughs) Yeah. And my bones fall apart. (laughs) So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, I have a very old friend of mine who actually has an album called Whole Tones. Mm. And it's based on that. It's just super interesting that they used that even mm-hmm. going back as far as the 900s. And this yeah. was a Benedictine monk who wrote mm-hmm. about it. But my guess is it's older than that. Probably. Because be. the, that's what the most of the monks wrote about was stuff that they heard from oral stories they then wrote down and that's changed. That's true. Although they did sometimes just have ecstatic visions mm-hmm. true. of they their did. own. Yep, exactly. uh, that revealed things to them. Yep. I do think that's important to note that... Uh, even and and part of that even is because, in various parts of Christianity, right? There, there, is, there were legitimate experiences, legitimate experiences, ecstatic mm-hmm. states. They did all of these, things. and I think that was especially true for the monks, yes, and the nuns because they were living apart from society and they were engaging in really different lifestyles. Correct. Yeah. This is Phoenix LeFay, the author of What is Remembered Lives, and you are listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. So your experience has been mostly possessory. Yes. My trance experience has been, I guess, what you would describe as mostly lucid dreaming or astral travel. That's interesting. Like I said, I do very little possessory stuff because I'm solitary, so it wouldn't mm-hmm. be super productive for me mm-hmm. to do full possessions and things like that. I wouldn't get anything out of it. The possessing spirit might get something out of it, but... <laughs> well, and that's, for me, this this uh, has actually been a new experience for me in these last six months or so because I have always been a solitary. All of my time as a pagan and as a witch, I'm going to be obviously now more solitary than I was. Don't know that I'm going to have these types of possessory experiences mm-hmm. in the future, but it has been an interesting experience. Right. And it's helped me connect, honestly, a little bit more deeply in meditation with the gods who I work with. Yeah. Can you do trance without the possessory experience? Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. And that's Absolutely. almost entirely what I've done. That's, what, okay. that's, that's what Otis is talking about. So what's the difference between that then and meditation? So um, meditation is a process that I'm guiding. Right. A pure meditation is, at least in my experience, is just focused on a subject where it, and like I said, most meditations are a very, very light trance, at least in my experience. It has strong parallels to a light trance. When I go deeper than that, and it sometimes starts with meditation, it doesn't always, but it sometimes starts with meditation. And I use visualization a lot as an induction method, which is, I do a lot of visualization Mm -hmm. in my meditation as well. Mm -hmm. I use visualization to induce because visualization is a process that's easy 
for me. And when you're trying to induce a trance state, it's usually better to to go with something you know you're good at. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not going to be a struggle for you. Which for people who are not good at visualizing or have that condition where right. visualization, they can find other means to. There are lots of induction yeah, lots methods. Of induction yes. methods. Visualization is just the method I use. Right. It creates a certain amount of overlap with, with the type of meditation I do because mm-hmm. I also do visualizing meditations. Right. But the difference between a meditation and a trance is that a meditation is a process I am always 100% mm-hmm. in control of. I am driving that visualization. I am making all the decisions. Everything that happens is my choice. Okay. Right? When I move beyond that and I use visualizing induction into a trance state, when I have reached usually a moderate trance state, I am no longer in complete control of that environment or the visualization process. Mm -hmm. Okay. It transitions from something that I am driving to something I am participating in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And it's yep. a subtle change. Yeah. It yeah, can yeah. be a very subtle. Sometimes it's it's a little more pronounced, but it can be a subtle change, I find. It, Do it, you always start with meditation and then go into trance? I don't always. I do... Often, especially if I have a specific objective for the trance state, which I usually do. All right, so I have these recurring dreams that are not about things happening so much as they are about consistent spaces. Three or four of them, and I've been having them for over a decade, probably. They're landscapes, essentially, that I've become very familiar with by dreaming in them regularly. Okay. And frequently, I find myself lucid dreaming in these particular environments. Even though lucid dreaming isn't something I really actively pursue, Mm -hmm. I find that I do sort of naturally lucid dream in these environments, Mm -hmm. in these dream environments. Right. So when I want to enter that one of those dream environments that I know very well in a trance state, because I have sometimes encountered spirits there, Wood's dream in particular is one where I have encountered spirits. It seems to have a very fluid relationship to realms. Mm -hmm. I start with a visualized meditation of entering Wood's dream and walking through it. Okay. I deepen that visualization until it essentially becomes a waking lucid dream. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. So so the difference between a visualized meditation in Wood's dream and a trance experience in Wood's dream is that in a visualized meditation, I could say, I am going to meet the red flower girl in Wood's dream. And I would visualize the red flower girl appearing in Wood's dream, and I would essentially be driving a puppet of the red flower girl. Right. In a trance, I might start with a visualized meditation of, this is what Wood's dream looks like, I'm now going to enter it, I'm going to walk into Wood's dream. But once I've entered the trance condition, I can't control whether, like, I can go in wanting to contact the red flower girl, but I literally never have. Gotcha. I can't find her. I don't know where she is. She's never I saw her once and she's never come back. And I can't make her come back in a trance state because I'm not puppeteering a visualization right. of Red Flower Girl. I'm looking for the real actual Red Flower Girl. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me a lot of my meditation 
I do a regular meditation for the most part. When I want to experience or really connect with my deities is when I move into that closer to a light trance. And I think the the change for me in aspecting has been I've gone from sitting there in a light trance, communicating, receiving visions, Mm -hmm. that type of thing, to allowing them to speak through me and then deepen into a different kind of awareness or a different kind of trance. Mm. I don't think I've ever really experienced like the lucid dreaming that you're talking about. Yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. And it's different from lucid dreaming, but it's a process that's happening while I'm awake. Because when in a trance, you are not asleep. Right. Right. You are awake. And you're just less aware of external stimuli. And I can create, like, for me, there is a, a place that I go to meet with Hakati, and I can visualize myself going through the process of getting to, or, or Brigid, mm-hmm. I can go through the process of getting to that place in my mind. But once I'm in that place, I let go and allow the whoever it is. You I'm, let go of control. Of I the let space. go of control of the space and allow whoever it is I'm attempting to speak with take control. I do the same with Brother Marcus. Yeah, that's the trance yeah. condition. Mm-hmm. Another, I think, good example of this is so when I when I do any meditation, part of that process for me is grounding, and my grounding, centering, and shielding involves the visualization of a tree, of a tree made out of light that sort of roots Mm -hmm. me to the earth and sky. Mm -hmm. That's a process that I'm completely in control of. Right. Because it's a grounding, centering, and shielding ritual. So once when I went into Wood's Dream to, in a trance state, to, to talk to Kedtha, who's a spirit I've had occasional interactions with, and who was really hard to find that day. He showed up eventually, and we had an opaque conversation because Kedva's hard to understand. Towards the end of that conversation, basically when he was done talking, he led me to a specific place in Wood's Dream, and I know Wood's Dream very well. Mm Mm-hmm. So it wasn't specifically that it was a new place in Wood's Dream, but there was a new thing in Wood's Dream. That you weren't in control of. Right. And what it was, was my tree that I use, that I create the structure of my tree when I'm grounding, centering, and shielding. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was perplexed because I'd never seen that in Wood's Dream before. I've never seen my grounding tree externalized, mm-hmm. but it was there in Wood's Dream. So I went to investigate it, and Ketha basically told me, the conversation's over. I'm leaving now. You can do what you do want. What you want. <laughs> um, but I brought you here to your tree. Mm-hmm. This would be a good time for you to leave, basically. <laughs> um, so I went through the process of closing my grounding tree, which I usually do after a meditation, mm-hmm. and that broke the trance. Interesting. So that it was a really interesting sort of new relationship for me mm-hmm. to discover between the stuff that I control, mm-hmm. the visualization process of creating that tree, which is which I had thought of up to that point as not really creating anything, but of being sort of an abstraction of the process Mm -hmm. of grounding, centering, and shielding, right? Mm -hmm. To perceiving that grounding tree as a physical thing Mm -hmm. in, or or a spiritual thing in this spiritual space. Right. Right. Over which I still had control because it was still mine. It was a thing I had created. But it was interesting to experience it as existing outside of me. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I've noticed that there's some interesting conversation going on about 
people who maybe have entered a trance state without recognizing that they have been doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and think, I think that is I true think that of does me. Happen. And yeah. I think I I think that I was entering into trance states without really recognizing that that was what I was in mm-hmm. for a long time. I was just thinking it was just a deeper meditation when it was actually a trance state. And I think a lot of that is because there's not like a clearly defined boundary between meditation and trance. Mm -hmm. And there's not necessarily a clearly defined boundary between trance and hypnosis. They're sort of all on a spectrum together and they sort of gradiate into each other. I think you did put a clearly defined boundary on it. And I'll tell you about that right after I tell you about our tiger art, Darren, who is offering intuitive readings and divination with over a decade of experience working with spirit, tarot, runes, and tea leaves. Make an appointment for a reading with Ardaren on Facebook at Ardaren's Auguries or find them at Instagram.com slash Ardaren's Auguries. So here's my clearly defined definition, and I think this makes a ton of sense. Okay. So meditation, you're in control of. Okay. Mm -hmm. Trance, nobody real, as in like physical being, is in control of. Hypnosis, somebody else is in control of. Okay, yeah. So the eight. only thing that I would say complicates those definitions, which are very good, is self-hypnosis. But I think self-hypnosis is probably more like trance, trance, trance. or or like like that in between that in between trance. meditation and trance. Probably is self-hypnosis. There's mm-hmm. an overlap there, probably. I think so too, because I know that when I was especially 20 years ago, mm-hmm. when I was learning to meditate, I think I hypnotized myself a lot, <laughs> not realizing that that was what mm-hmm. I was doing. And once I was like, oh, okay, I'm actually in a deeper state than I intended to go. Right. Let's explore this. <laughs> But And I think that happens to a lot of people and, and that they are experiencing a light trance state, which is why I would say as a solitary, you can experience a trance state. I know I have been mm-hmm. to to interact with your deities and you right, have yep, been yep. to interact with your deities, deities and spirits. And yeah. spirits. It's actually it, interact more with spirits through trance than deities, I think. Yes, exactly. And I think when it becomes an aspecting, as you mentioned before, mm-hmm. where that spirit overtakes you and starts interacting, right. it is for the benefit of others. So it would not naturally not happen. So it might naturally happen. That's true. If you're not taking proper care. Right, yeah. Because there are some spirits and deities Mm -hmm. who want to do things. That's true. Right? And if you give them permission to do those things, they're Mm going to do them. That is very true. It was interesting when I was, when I was in that ritual last year with Priestess Miriam in that while I wasn't like being ridden by Loa, obviously, it was an interesting experience to see my hands doing things or have my body doing things that I was not in myself in control you were not of. Consciously, I was not consciously aware of those movements. It was just happening. Right. And so that was like a step further, I think, than even what I had done before with aspecting deities. For me, at least, that's it what felt it felt like. like. A, it a felt like a step you, further. Yeah. It may have been the same thing, but so Mother Multiverse is recommending Raven Caldera's book on altered states, mm. kind of granulated altered states by route, meditation, ritual, substances, ordeal, etc. That's a good idea. Um, um, I don't think I've read that specific book, but I've read other work by Raven Caldera, and I like not all, but much of Raven Caldera's work, so that seems like a good recommendation, too. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and I think this is the only other like major point I feel like I want to make, and, and, and I touched on it earlier, is 
even if it feels like you're out of control of mm-hmm. your body or of your experience, you're not actually. No, no. Like, you were feeling like someone else was dancing through you, but if you had decided to stop dancing, you could have. Oh, yeah, I know that. When you enter... Like, when you do progressive relaxation, your body feels very heavy and, like, you mm-hmm. couldn't move it. But if you just start moving your fingers, you will find that you can, like, move. It's mm-hmm. nothing actually preventing you from doing so. Yeah. It's a very important sort of tenant of hypnosis and trance mm-hmm. work in general. You can pull yourself out. That you can pull yourself out and that you are ultimately in control of this experience. Mm-hmm. And I will say for anybody who is freaked out or is like, ooh, from the how I described that... I actually found it really fascinating <laughs> and kind of fun because I was like, I was like, how is it that I am doing this thing I'm not actually doing? Right. That's but what you were actually but doing. But I was actually, actually right. doing, yeah. you yeah. know. It was how I was perceiving it. Yeah. You perceived it as something outside of your control, mm-hmm. but ultimately it was within your control. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have routines for leaving a trance, but if something happens around me that that sharply draws my attention, I am able to leave a trance without going through those routines, right? Like if I set an alarm on my phone to go off in two hours and I haven't left the trance in two hours, when my phone goes off, I will wake up out of trance automatically. Like I'll need to do some grounding afterwards because I'll probably have a sort of like spiritual shock going on, Mm -hmm. but you can do it. Exactly. Well, and if you'll remember in December after I had had Mm -hmm. that experience, it took me several hours to ground and in fact, you were telling me I hadn't grounded enough. Mm-hmm. And you were very spacey. I was yeah. very spacey. But I think Mother Multiverse is making a really good point yes. here. Mother Multiverse says, I think comfort is pretty key to entering that state for most people. And Agreed. that's true. Agreed. If you're nervous about entering a trance, probably not going to have much success doing it. And mm-hmm. that goes back to the thing that they've discovered with hypnotists, yeah. especially with stage hypnotists. If is you are resistant. If you're resistant, you're not going to enter a trance or you're going to enter an incomplete trance. Illuminated Darkness said, where do out-of-body experiences fall mm. into this? Mm-hmm. So out-of-body experiences are definitely an altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. They have some relationship to trance, but it's not clear what. So the most sensationalized versions are the near-death experience OBs, right. where people describe uh, sort of floating over their body, like in the hospital, seeing doctors right. working on them, or or after an accident, or things like that. Mm-hmm. But some people do experience out-of-body experiences, like when they're on the edge of sleep, mm-hmm. either just about to wake up or just about to fall asleep. I think that's basically what Illuminated Darkness is referring to. Uh, it's not clear, but they do say, as a teenager, I felt like I was flying outside my body. And out-of-body experience... Silky asks, can you do out-of-body by accident? I've done it when I was taking a walk once. You can, yes. Yes. So I want to... This is a delicate topic, maybe, Mm -hmm. that we need to approach carefully. Some out-of-body experiences, like when you're about to fall asleep, Mm -hmm. uh, and probably also near-death experiences, although I don't have any practical experience with that, those are probably essentially hypnagogic experiences where... Your brain is starting to sort of ratchet down to alpha, and you're sort of in between the beta and alpha wavelength states, Mm -hmm. and there's like a confusion or something. And I think that's functionally unintentional, low-key astral projection. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. Um, 
But it can also, especially if it happens a lot or while you're out, sort of walking around,、mm-hmm. be a sign of、uh, derealization or depersonalization, which are mild to moderate, depending on the extent of your experience. Dissociative conditions,、right. essentially dissociative states. So I had a lot of those experiences as a teenager as well. Partly that's because I'm bipolar, and so my brain was doing weird things. And part of that was I had. Especially when I was depressed, had a lot of dissociation, where I felt like either my body wasn't real, or I wasn't attached to it, or the world around me wasn't real. And sometimes that can be both a psychological condition and a spiritual condition.、Mm-hmm. So what I've come to, how I've come to perceive that personally, is that I was experiencing, from a psychological perspective, dissociation.、Mm-hmm. But I also was experiencing essentially. A spiritual phenomenon of my subtle body, which is what you use to astral travel, or、mm-hmm. like parts of my soul, kind of detaching、mm-hmm. because I was wounded. Right.、Um, so I had a spirit.、Uh, I had a psychological wound that was being reflected in a spiritual way.、Mm-hmm. And because are, I'm all one connected system, right? Right. And I know that、uh, there are some systems that talk about soul retrieval、mm-hmm. for、uh, healing to to retrieve those parts of the soul、yeah. that disconnect. Exactly. In those kind of experiences, I had a lot of those experiences,、um, especially in high school, and then again when I was in college. I have them a lot m- more often when I'm in stressful circumstances, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's it's soul loss or soul damage. I think、right. that can be repaired or retrieved. That's also going to involve some psychological healing.、Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's it can it's both of those things essentially. Yeah, yeah. Phil is talking about that he's done some astral projection and tethering. Himself as he's、yeah. astral projecting. Yes, I don't know. I I don't know that I've ever done a lot of astral projecting. I've done a little bit.、Mm-hmm. I know it was more when I was younger, twenty years ago, that I I kind of experimented with astral projecting, but I was never quite sure if what my most intense experience was an astral projection or if it was a remote viewing. Kind of thing that happened. I peeked in on a friend in California and、right. saw what she was doing in her kitchen. Described it to her, and she said, "Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. What are so, you doing?" So that sounds like you used <laughs> astral projection for remote viewing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah,、um, Rabbit says my experience with dissociation is exactly why I never wanted to do trance work. That actually is、uh, that that was a complicated issue for me when I started doing trance work because I knew I had a history of dissociation、mm-hmm. and、um, dissociative experiences. Ultimately, I've personally found it I don't want to say empowering necessarily, but Productive.、Mm-hmm. I found it productive. It's given me a new framework for understanding those experiences,、mm-hmm. so I don't feel as victimized by them. It's very easy when you have a mental illness to feel victimized by your own brain. Mermidith says reclaiming almost. Yeah, a lot、mm-hmm. like that. I spent a lot of a lot of time feeling. Very much like my brain was attacking me, and there was sort of nothing I could do about it. To a certain extent, that's true. It's producing chemicals badly and wrong, and screwing with my life. But using trance frameworks, even though it's it certainly recalls experiences experiences of dissociation, using trance frameworks intentionally. Mm-hmm. Has, when you were in exactly when I'm、it. in control of it has it has given me control over those experiences and、mm-hmm. so when I am dissociative I know what's happening 
and I have better tools for regrounding myself, mm-hmm. even if it's a, it's a purely psychological dissociation or it's a it's a soul damage, and I can't fix it right then. Mm-hmm. I know enough now from a spiritual perspective to put a band-aid on it until I can get some first aid. Right, right, exactly. Gotcha. Did you so know? if that's not right for everyone, but that's been right for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Bill makes a really interesting um, comment that he uses, I believe he's saying he uses astral projection when working on wards for protection or fixing wards for protection. Mm. Yeah, so a lot of people will set wards uh, around their house or things like that, or you can use it to upkeep spells. Astral projection and astral travel are really, really interesting because you can use them to substitute spiritual stuff for physical stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can do an entire spell in astral space with astral things. And you can build astral locations. I think functionally, mm-hmm. the the dream landscapes I've talked about, yeah. whether they were originally exterior spiritual spaces to which I just gained access, right. or whether they were dreams that I had regularly enough that I was able to transmute them into spiritual spaces. Either way, those are astral spaces now. Yeah. To yeah. which not only I, but my spiritual allies and other non-physical beings have access. In the last few years, but especially in the last year, I've learned to use more astral spaces mm-hmm. and do more astral work Yeah, in a way that I've not done before. And it's been very productive. Yeah. So Minecraft, mm-hmm. right? But but you're doing it kind of in in a different in a, aspect. In a spiritual space, correct? Yeah. yeah. Although I think I have seen some people actually building spells in Minecraft. The yeah. Game. Mm-hmm. Um, Mother Multiverse is saying that uh, using astral mm-hmm. is also an excellent way to establish a link or a tag lock for things outside of your immediate reach. Yes, mm-hmm. true. And then Bill says, when I'm doing this type of work, it can get a bit weird when people call and ask if I've been at their home because I forget to clean up my energy. (laughs) Bill. (laughs) Be tidier, Bill. Be tidier. (laughs) So I think that's all that I really wanted to talk about for trance. Do you have anything you wanted to talk about for trance work? I don't think so, other than the experiences that I've described. I think it's really individual for how people are going to work with trance or if they're going to do it at all. And right, because choosing not to do any kind of trance work is valid. It's completely um, valid. Yeah. Good. And, Thank you for validating yes. me. Yeah. Well, and there's people well, we're not just dis- validating you. Yes, I know. But um, there's people in the Discord who are saying it would be very uncomfortable right. for them to do yeah. trance work, and that's perfectly fine. People should know that you don't have to do astral if it's not something right. that you're comfortable with. You don't, you don't have, have to, to do, do trance. trance. You don't have to. You don't have to do meditation. You don't yeah. have to do anything. No, it's completely up to you. What is going to be most valuable to you in your path? Right. Yeah. Yep. Just because all the other kids are doing it doesn't mean you have to do it too. <laughs> uh, guess what, people? Where can you find us? You can find us on Google. You just type in the number three pagans and a cat, and we will appear everywhere. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, that's the case. So find us there. Thanks for probably, listening to this episode. Yeah, you can I think also we probably take us. up the whole first page of results. Uh, yeah. We actually take up the first three. No, <laughs> just go to so. threepagansandacat.com. Right, right. Yes. Yep. Please, the do, number three, pagansandacat.com. Right. Please do visit me on Patheos Pagan, the Three Pagans and a Cat blog. Mm-hmm. I try to get something in two to three times a week. We try to get Ode to write something once a month, and Carr just doesn't. <laughs> and I don't write. But please do come and visit. The sliding and check scale out. Of, of three pack writers. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Constantly. 
inconsistently. None. All right. right. Yes. So, so that's it. That Thanks. Is, Thanks oh, for listening. That's it. That's all. Go all right. go take care of yourselves. We are thinking about you during this difficult time, and uh, we love you. Yes. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com. 